Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 99th episode of the Talking With A Dad podcast this evening. Got a lot of UFC talk, a lot, lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, uh, things that I could be naming right now, but I just, I lost it all as soon as I started this intro. Steve, take it away. You know what, <laughs> folks? There is a lot of stuff, crazy stuff going on. <laughs> None of which that we're going to talk about tonight because this is a UFC episode, but make sure you tune in next week for episode 100 yep. we lay out our hit list because we're no longer scared of getting canceled not an actual hit list we're not actually Just talking about sure. the people we that list we email back and forth to each other but we're going to be going over our picks for the past year no, and some of the there is no email stuff. chain of a hit list <laughs> i also promise we will be discussing on the 100th episode aliens or predicting What's going on? Because we got a countdown going on, right? It was 180 uh, days the last time we did an episode about aliens. Which was four which puts, months ago, which yeah. puts us almost there. <laughs> almost there. Yeah, I think we have two, a month and a half, two months or something like that. Um, probably not. We're not going to be delving into aliens the way that we do in some episodes next week. Next week is going to be yeah. a weird episode for episode 100. We're going to be reminiscing, just shooting the shit randomly. So... There's that. To this day, the Alien episode is our best view. Both of them Absolutely. are our most viewed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As episode. they should be. They're, they're, they're content and comedy gold, really. Really, they actually, actually are. Uh, yeah. I know, we did the, I know we did the pre-show thing, but uh, how you doing, big guy? How is the world treating you? Living life, you know? Out there, grinding every day, playing RuneScape. That's pretty much was- about it. How's the ruin of the scape? And when can we expect your 100% runescape channel? Zero. There's probably a, there's probably a 90% chance that that doesn't happen. So there is a 10% chance that it does. I, I think about it almost daily. I'm a, I'm a man. I like those numbers. <laughs> like, like she there's, most certainly said she just wanted to be friends. There's a 10% chance that this is, is still going to happen. That is not true. That there's not a 5% happen. chance. There's a 4% chance after I met a boyfriend, this is still going to happen. <laughs> True. Um, no, I, I, there's there's very slim chance that that happens. There's a, there's a decent chance that it does, though. I, I think about it daily, um, about what I would want to do. and and Right, exactly, right? The, the, <laughs> the contradictory statements back and forth, because uh, I do want to do it, but then I ultimately don't. because So, like, the level of RuneScape content creation in the last two years has really like the production value is very very high now right that right. you can't just hop on and be like hey guys i'm here i'm gonna attempt to kill zolra for an hour and then if it doesn't work then still gonna upload this dog shit video it's like swamp Letics is is with the catalyst that that changed this right a guy named settled plays on a, a certain account locked in a certain area of the game artificially locked in there at least and um he had to figure out ways to do things to get to his goals and tells a story in each episode of how how things work and and how he did it and and the process and the time sinks and stuff and like one of the grinds was like 600 hours to do a thing that would take you i don't know maybe 40 hours to do in the regular game and that that's the level of the content creation now so you know you have to meet you have to at least match that to be a successful content creator in the runescape realm now and that's a lot of work that I don't know if I want to actually fully commit to. Well, I hear what you're saying. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of editing. It's a, 
It's a lot of streaming. It's, I get it that. It would be zero streaming. Uh, most of it would be done offline. Uh, oh. Most of it would be done offline. Also, like, RuneScape shit, like, you have to play it in, like, a really small window because it's the only way that the game looks good on video, right? Like, it'll look good to me if I play full screen, but right. no video you've ever watched on RuneScape, because I know you're a huge fan, Yes, is is recorded full screen because you can't see any of the text. The textures look a little bit weird. You have to play it in a small window because the game is from fucking 1999, and that's the only way this the UI scaling would work. So, let me ask you a question. Um, in regards to this, not RuneScape. Uh, in regards to WoW, where are we standing nowadays with WoW? How are we, how are we doing? Are you done with that completely, or what's I'm going waiting, on? There? I'm waiting for more content at this point. Okay. Patch 9.0 has been out since November, right? So it's like seven months, eight months, whatever it is. Um, and I've done all of the content that there is to do until 9.1 comes out when they release the new Mega Dungeon, when they release the new Raid, um, and the new area in the game. So, like, I'm waiting for the, until there's more content. I'm, I'm done with it. I've essentially done everything that I possibly can. Um... I think you can do it, man. I think you're gonna do it. I, I have ideas of what I would want to do with a RuneScape right. channel, and, and centered around multiple different accounts. And like, I would want to do a hardcore. I would want to like max my account, which is a, a, a shitload of hours put into the game. But like, yeah, there's stuff that I would want to do, and I I think I could tell the story with it. But I don't want to make a 10 minute video with 60 hours of editing. You know, like Swampletic's most recent video was six months after the video before it because it was an hour long. It was probably 2,000 hours of playtime and uh, probably days and days and days of editing and, like, song selection and pacing. Like, he's there's probably a script for it somewhere. Like, I don't know if I have that in me. Right, I, and not because I'm lazy, but it's because like I can only do so much creative shit before I'm I'm creative out, and I gotta go mindlessly shoot things and freaking Call of Duty to like get my brain back. Like that just sounds American, man. It sounds American to be creatively drained and just go pull out a gun and mow some people <laughs> down. <laughs> That's awful. Uh, yeah, dude. I, like, yeah, but like uh, Swampletics has done a thing where. I could send you the link to episode one of Swampletics and you wouldn't okay. be invested in the story because of the way that he tells the story of this account that, that he has made artificially for no reason. Right. All right. I like that. That's, I like the stuff you sent me, man. I, I got to tell you to this day, right? Two things you've sent me ranking number one, number two out of the hundreds of things. The guy gambling in world of Warcraft. <laughs> that's such is a, still one of my favorite videos. That's a good video. And the, the flat earth you were the one that sent me to that you yeah. took me a while to watch it yeah. two videos that i still have in my queue i saved them i downloaded them to youtube and i put them all yeah, that's, that's funny play. stuff funny stuff's a little bit different right where yeah. this is like genuinely to be into runescape videos you have to be very into runescape you have to know a lot about the game and swamp Lakes was probably the first series where people who don't play the game are waiting for the series to come out because the story is so good. He tells it so well. Yeah. No, and I mean, so here's my thing, right? Uh, even in regards to our own show, right? Anything done with a labor of love 
you'll enjoy, right? People are going to come back. They're going to watch that. And uh, I've wa- I've been a fan of yours on Twitch since we were colleagues, right? We're still colleagues, obviously. You're a extended member of this family. You've come over. You've broken bread with us. You've, uh, you know, one of my kids. Broken uh, bread? I don't know. What, I don't even know what that means. It means you ate with us. You oh, I've <laughs> I've literally I've never heard that phrase ever. You've never heard broke bread before? No, no. My, or break uh, bread with someone? No. Well, now you know. Now you know. And if you say that to a gangbanger, you will get instant respect. That's not true. Don't say it to a game bigger. But here's what I'm saying, man. I, don't I think a RuneScape that. channel would be amazing. I, I would tune into it. I do understand the, the amount. I, I mean, I have an idea based on what you're telling me, the amount of labor. But let me just put it to you this way, right? There are two options that every man has in this life. It's either to do the things that he daydreams about or to daydream about the things he yeah. wants to do while he's in prison. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> You're you're not wrong, right? You're you're not wrong in that, and I, I do I would want to do it, but I, I just like I don't know if I would if I could commit that much time. Like when I say I, that, like I mean the the region of the game that he's locked in specifically is very hard to do the the goals that he has set, but it's it's obtainable, right? Right. But you have to match that level of production, and I don't know if I have that in me. Like, I don't know if I could legitimately match the level of Swampletics production, but like that's the bar that's set now, right? Everything no, else that comes have... in, every everything else that comes in under that is like, yeah. oh, well, I mean, like I'd rather just go rewatch Swampletics because it's just better. This is how I know you're not a part of the Reading Rainbow generation. You can do anything you put your mind to, except for be a butterfly and an astronaut at this point in your life. And I think you I'm, can do it, bro. I'm too tall to be an astronaut. That was out of the, that was out of the cards for me at like sixteen. <laughs> what up, Double D? Uh, so check this out, man. Uh, I want to talk. Speaking about unattainable things, right? We got I think it's gonna be a banger of a card. Zach is not quite convinced that it's gonna I'm be a banger. Convinced. He thinks he thinks that this is gonna be a fellow UFC card. Um, but we gotta talk about it. we gotta talk about the latest card coming up. And here are my official opinions on the card. As an MMA fan, as someone that will, that will watch these builder cards, and that's what I refer to them as. It's usually a bunch well, of uh, you, no names. A builder card can't be a pay per view. Listen, it, I am down for this exact card minus right. the minus the belt, right? Minus the title fight, right? Being a ESPN Plus card, I am happy with that. But I'm not yeah, paying yeah, yeah. $70 to watch Michael Chandler fight Charles Oliveira. That is the only fight on this card that I'd be willing to pay for. You put this, this is the main event and Dustin Connor as, as a co-main and build that card around it. That would be a really good, a really good pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. So let me tell you why that didn't happen, right? And uh, this is just Connor a, a, and a fight in a co-main. Exactly. That's, that's a, fine. I get that. Yeah. But that's the kind of card that I'm looking for to pay to pay seventy dollars yeah. for. For me, there's a lot of really good contender fights on this card. There's a lot of really good builder fights on this card, building career fights on this card. But yeah. there's only one fight that you actually want to watch in this. Maybe two. I guess you could the Tony Ferguson fight. But uh. there's only two fights that you really want to watch in this card. Where a pay per view now, and especially. With the UFC doing what two, three title pay per views in a row, or this year yeah. so far, like they yeah. set a bar that they now have to reach for me to spend my seventy dollars, and this doesn't hit that. So, 
just before we get into the actual breakdown of the card and predictions, I would have rearranged some stuff on here right off the bat, just Me looking too. at the main card. Uh, Shane Burgos versus Edson Barboza. That needs to be the co-main event. I won't be convinced otherwise, right? Tony Ferguson is that, in the twilight. It is offensive that this is opening the pay-per-view and not either yes. headlining their own ESPN event or 100%. a co-main on, on a legit card. 100%. I, I agree. That's a disservice to Edson Barboza. And that is a disservice yeah. to the to the to the to, to star power to star power that Shane Burgos is going to have very yep. shortly. So here's the thing, right? So you would have to go back to the preliminary card. So uh, Jacare, I love him to death. You know, I love Jits, and I res I respect Jacare, man. No matter what happens after this fight, and make no doubt about it, if he loses, that's He's it. Out, yeah, that that's it. The UFC just cut six more fighters from their uh, active uh, roster. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to give the legacy guys a little bit longer. I was surprised. Not no, I don't think they do. They cut Overeem. Um, Dos Santos they cut, right? Yeah. Or Dos Santos? One of the two. I can't ever fucking get, tell them apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, that's right. Good point. Good point. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, Tyron yeah. Woodley. They cut Did him. Did they cut him? Tyron Woodley's, Tyron Woodley's like not in the rankings anymore. I think Tyron Woodley's not in the UFC anymore as far as I know. No, they, they didn't cut him yet, but he's outside of the top 10 for sure. If they cut him, dude, and that didn't break, like, gangbusters, that's amazing. But, like, wait, hold on for a second. While you're looking that up, so Ronald, uh, Ronald Souza, you guys will see his name as, is fighting Andrew Munoz. We call him Jacare. And uh, I would have instantly taken that card, that that one right there. Yeah, Tyron Woodley oh. is no longer under contract with the UFC. and That that was his last fight with the UFC. Yeah, that's he lost right. four in a row. We talked about this. I, th I thought we did. But, no, we did talk about it, but no, officially that fight was his last, last fight, fight with the UFC. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Megan Anderson is no longer with the UFC, right? Like, oh yeah, that's a heartbreak. She lost what one fight to the champion and is no longer under contract, right? Like she lost to uh, Holly, uh, Holly, but she just fought for a title. You know, generally your title contenders fight yeah. other title contenders after they lose to the to the to the title holder, right? Yeah, 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 she's the so only the other prospect at forty-five. Like, so the uh, thing about her is she'll never. Be, the reason it's easy to cut her, right? She'll never make it to one thirty-five. And so there's no viability there. Amanda Nunes ever, ever, in in any circumstance. But I actually think there's a career for Megan Anderson uh, elsewhere in other fighting organizations. She's gonna land on her feet. Of course, I just honestly I don't think she, she she got. So her career started with Invicta, right? Mm -hmm. And she beat. Tweet Every, everybody. She, uh, yeah, but her her, the, her her premier fight was against Shania Tweet. Remember, I showed you this woman. Mm -hmm. She looked like a mom in yoga pants, a very fit mom in yoga <laughs> yeah, pants. Yeah. And she showed up in yoga pants for the fight. She was not ready for the UFC, and that was a completely ready. I mean, completely apparent when she fought Holly. Mm -hmm. Just 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 remember that fight for a second. Go back to it. Holly had seriously just committed to grappling prior to that fight. Mm -hmm. And Holly out grappled her and out struck her on the ground by like seventy five percent. Yeah, and that, being six inches smaller, right? Which is generally exactly. the opposite way that that goes. But <laughs> there isn't like there isn't anybody at forty five though, right? Like, no, no, it's there a dead is, division. There is literally not a top ten rankings in the forty five women division in the UFC. Yeah. It is Amanda yeah. Nunes who holds the belt, and whoever they could fucking yep. figure out who to fight her. They're trying to get this this uh, Danielle Wolf girl to fight her, right? Like, yep. 
Yeah, she's but not ready she for that. literally just fought in Dana White's contender series and, and she barely, barely won. won. Right, yeah. and she barely won that fight. So th- there's a lot going on there. They should either commit to saying, hey, whoever comes up at 45 can just fight for the belt or say that we're retiring that division because we don't find it to be prosperous enough for us at the moment with the with the chance that it comes back in five years when there's when there's a better develop, developed 45 division for women, right? And yeah, retire no. it as the first chapter or the only chapter of that division as Amanda Nunes is the absolute GOAT, right? I just want to circle back to Tyron Woodley real quick. <laughs> I expect and I mean this, to see his name next year, if not this year, being inducted into the Hall of Fame. He absolutely deserves it. And if he if he doesn't get it, then we just know that they never resolved their relationship, he and Dana. They never – he's the only other guy to defend the belt, the welterweight belt, that that many times. Obviously, George St. Pierre still holds the record for the most title defenses. Kamar Usman will Kamar probably Usman catch will up there. Pass him very shortly, but yeah, when you're in the t- when you're in the top three, yeah, in in, in a division that's f- not easy, yeah, th- you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I agree. You you should be recognized. So I just want to continue with this because I want to see what you think about it. You have it obviously up. So Tony Ferguson versus uh, Benile Darius Darius. Yeah. Yeah, that gets bumped off of the main card, in my opinion. You <laughs> yeah. move Shane Burgos and Edson Barboza up and uh, to co-main, yep. and I'm going to go back to preliminary. Then I would uh, bring up. I would actually even put Antonia uh, Shevchenko and uh, Andrea Andrea Lee. I would have put that as the opening on the pay per view. To be I, honest with you, I have not found an issue in anything you've said so far. Keep going. <laughs> and Lando. Have you seen Lando fight before? Lando he's Bonata, actually really absolutely. Actually, he's actually really exciting. Also on the pay-per-view card. And yeah, I, I taking would... off that pay-per-view card. I'm sorry, man, but uh Matthew Christopher Shell. Uh, who are that's you? Off. Who are that's you? Off. <laughs> listen, off. listen, I know this is gonna get to you in some fashion. Who the fuck are you? We watch <laughs> literally everything the UFC has to offer. I don't watch contender series much. Who are you? Please respond. <laughs> Where did you come from? Wait, when we say respond, don't show up here, man. No, no, right. no, no, no. <laughs> Leave a comment, Matthew Christopher Schnell. And your your I'm sure your YouTube channel is Matthew Christopher Schnell three, because there's two yeah. other of those idiots and they've already taken the first two names. Please respond. Who the hell who are you? Dude, and uh I don't know his opponent, but he's you know, he's sixteen and three, one um... no contest. His name, I re- yeah, his name I recognize because he lost to Kai Kara France. Oh, that's right. And probably that fight actually is a fight of the year contender, if I remember correctly. Or round of the year. That round was really, really solid, if I remember correctly. He got knocked out, though. And then Vivian versus Caitlin here. Uh, Who cares? Actually, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting about Caitlin, man, because uh, she beat. Slevchenko that's on here, Slevchenko, the sister Antonia, Antonina. and dominated, and and dominated her. Did right. you see that fight? Yeah. Did you, did I, you see I, that I fight? Remember that fight? Yeah. Um, you're right. Maybe this isn't the burner that I made it out to be in my head. Now, listen, there's a <laughs> lot. Of, there's a lot of fights on here that have a, have a high potential to be very good fights, but right. this is not a seventy dollar card. I, I I just like this is I I, I can't justify paying $70 to watch Michael Chandler fight Charles Oliveira. That is the only fight on here. Listen, I would be happy to pay for 
Shane Burgos is a co-main. I'd be happy to pay for the Andrew Andrea Lee Antonio Shevchenko fight on yeah. there. Um, the Lando Venata Mike Grundy fight probably should be on the main event or the main yeah. card. Um, but Tony Ferguson, who is probably in his last fight in the UFC, Christopher Schnell, I, I, I dude, I, I, you have too many look names. At, like, look at that record though: twenty six and five. For Tony Ferguson. Listen, that Tony Ferguson insane. didn't lose for what seven, eight years. Yeah, but he got ex- he got destroyed by Justin Gaethje. He got handled by Justin Gaethje, and then Charles Oliveira just wrapped him up and, and beat him. Like these are not like like he fought well, a, he fought an old cowboy Cerrone. He beat, yeah, yeah, yeah. He beat a busted up Pettis with a broken hand. Right. Pettis stopped the fight because his hand was broke. Like, I don't um, know how the fuck he beat Kevin Lee, dude. Kevin Lee is Kevin Lee maybe the biggest disappointment of a of a incredible prospect ever. There's there's only one other person that's uh disappointed me more, and it's the guy who actually beat Michael Chandler and Bellator to take his belt. And then came to the UFC and had one of the worst showings I've ever seen against <laughs> Charles Oliveira, and I can never remember the kid's <laughs> name, man. Um, so the funny thing about Kevin Lee versus Tony Ferguson, right? Kevin Lee had staff before that fight. I don't know how he was allowed he, he to did. fight. Right. It, it was the second yeah. or third time in his career that he's had, he fought with that, staff, if I remember correctly. I don't know how he got medically cleared, but okay, they gave it to him. And then again, this is case in point when I told you before Ferguson fought um, Gaethje and when he was going to fight Khabib. Like most people have lost their fights to Ferguson because they get tired whooping his ass, right? And they don't know how to they don't know how to throttle it back. And that's exactly what happened with Kevin Lee. He was winning that fight, and then Tony Ferguson's like, I go to the school of Glover Teixeira. I use my face as my main defensive right. weapon. But here's the difference. <laughs> Glover has a fucking chin. Yeah. It's hard to put that guy away. Listen, Tony Ferguson was that fight against Gaethje, man. When you see a man who's willing to shake his head to regain consciousness, that's a dude I respect. Like Tony's like, you will not knock me out. But here's the one thing I do want to talk to you about. I sent you a meme the other day. Before we get into all this fight card stuff, because we're going to have to drag this out a little bit. I sent you a meme, and it was essentially, what if Tony Ferguson met Diego Sanchez's coach? And I've been thinking about that nonstop. How have these two guys not met each other <laughs> like they just seem like they, they go to this they went to the same online course for for coaching yeah. right <laughs> they absolutely have <laughs> the funniest thing about the whole uh because i wanted to talk to you about the diego thing uh when it broke but that was last week but since i have you now so i've never felt more bad for a professional athlete than I do Diego Sanchez. And I understand why he's defending his coach, right? Because I, I did you watch the interview with Diego Sanchez and Anthony Smith by any chance? Diego Sanchez and Anthony Smith? Yeah, so Anthony Smith has, uh, he has a serious uh, FM show. and uh, Anthony Diego- Smith does? Yeah. How have <laughs> I never heard of this? It's a, he's actually Is it a called really, Lionheart really- Radio? It's something like that. Uh, and he had Diego on. And Diego said, you got to promise me one thing. You got to promise me one thing. Don't edit anything out. And Anthony was like, man, I wish I wouldn't agree to that on a serious because, you know, it's 15-minute segments, right? You know, if it's a podcast right. on YouTube. 15-minute segments, so that's cut and shit's played. Yeah, we got and sponsors cut, and yeah. all that stuff. 
So Diego Sanchez basically went off and he made some valid points and then he would lose his ability to be lucid and then he would drift off into insanity and then he would come back. But one of the things he was talking about in regards to his coach and his manager and his uh, life coach, uh, Joshua, is that Joshua is the one person that, you know, defends him. Stuck by his side during a hard part in his life. That's fine. But you have to realize that there's a line between some dude who's being loyal and some dude who's conning the fuck out of you. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You there there is a line, bro. Like there's a line between someone who's there for you and like helps you get back on your feet and then sets you off because they've you have outgrown them and someone who hangs you up upside down as a punching bag and hits you. <laughs> Right. <laughs> there there's a there's a difference between the two. And there I, I feel bad for Diego Sanchez. The guy has had a very, very long career. He's been hit real hard a lot of times. But then yeah. there are moments where he has a conversation and you're like, what does this guy do for a living? Because he clearly has never been hit in the head ever. Right? There are moments yeah. of, of of Diego Sanchez where he has legitimate conversations, makes very valid points. And you're like, oh, this guy's this guy is on the same level of Overeem. He's been knocked out X of times, but he's fine. It, it hasn't hit him. Yeah. Uh, the fucking whatever, he's right? Cognitively still there, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's times where it's like, what is happening? And uh, yeah, it goes back and forth. Guys getting seriously conned by by uh, Fabia, Fabia, wherever the hell the guy's name is. And I know he's very particular about how the way people pronounce his name. So I'm going to figure out how people pronounce it and then I'm going to pronounce it wrong every fucking time. Because I would beat the living shit out of that guy with my own hands. And I have never trained a day in my life and I am fat and out hold of on, shape. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He, he knows the death touch. The dim mock. All right? This Please? guy, he'll hit <laughs> Good. Because if, if he beats me in a fight, I would want to die. You know what's really amazing is so you know Cowboy was when their fight got called him and Diego Sanchez and we'll get into the Cowboy thing here because of this. Uh, Cowboy said apparently in the New Mexico martial arts scene MMA community that uh, Joshua Diego's uh, life coach had gotten into an altercation with an old teammate of theirs in a bar, and that teammate had not trained nor worked out in quite some time and handled him yeah and that the, part. Like, he's and, a and, scrawny little manlet right like <laughs> dude the, the guy's the guy's a fake the guy has no knowledge of training i would be better suited to train someone like he, he clearly he's like his nutritionist and shit doesn't know how to do nutrition like no the guy's a fraud and, and it's very clear he's a cult leader right is essentially yeah. what he is he's a cult leader he's probably fairly charismatic in some fashion, but like if you have any brain power, you see through the guy's bullshit for well, a mile. is one of those people that's constantly seeking, right? He's constantly seeking. He's trying to make sense of the world around him. And you know, Joshua, how do you pronounce the kids the kid's name again, man? For what what is what is his first name? The coach. I know his last name is Joshua. What's his no, first his name? His first name is Joshua. His first name is Joshua. What's his last name? Fabia. F A B I A. He's going to be Joshua F for the remainder of the show. But Fabia is not a very hard word to pronounce. I don't want to say his name too many times because he might pop up behind me and like actually know the Denmark. But Mr. Fabia. <laughs> like, like, like Beetlejuice? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Fabia strikes me as one of those people that you would find in any social gathering looking for the outliers in life, just looking for people to prey on. The unfortunate thing is that he caught Diego towards the tail end of his career. Now, here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that Diego's wife, who I'm not sure if he's still married to, Divorced. I know that he's cut. 
Divorced. Divorced. Yeah. So Diego said he's a guy who came into his life when he was going through a divorce. He's addicted to something. I couldn't read into it anymore because I didn't give a shit. Like tail end of his career. He's clearly not winning fights. He can't win fights. And this is when this guy shows up. Right. He is a he's a predator. Right. Like if if the guy was into different things, he'd be in jail for fucking children. Right. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. he's this same level of guy who's just happened to be creeping on a, an aging fighter who is gullible because apparently fighters are all gullible. I don't understand this. I mean, so it's not that they're all gullible. It's that most of them. Diego, are. Diego is in a place. Well, yeah, man, you're in a world where where Don Kings exist, right? You know, you're a guy like Mike Tyson, and the first time your your coach dies, and here's your promoter who you think has got your best interest at heart. The crazy thing about Joshua Fabia, though, is that he is, you, you summed it up correctly, you know, he is a cult leader. And the cult yeah. starts with Diego, and they're starting these online classes. Now, we're going to pivot and then talk about someone else because, uh, but here's here's the next thing, right? All the home, all the homoerotic stuff that they've been saying about them, that's where you're taking it too far, right? You want to diss the man because he's a bad coach and he's a bad life coach and all that stuff. And I think you should diss people who pretend to be life coaches and they don't have any credentials or Dude, they're not I working. I don't understand right how life coach is a thing that people aspire to be. Like, so I, you have to think a, so highly of yourself that you have yeah. to think you're better at just being a human than the next person to teach them how to be a human, right? That's essentially what a life coach is. So generally, if someone labels themselves as a life coach, they're probably so full of their own shit that they probably shouldn't be listened to. Here's the thing. There are actual people who are life coaches, and they would be akin to a therapist, right? But they don't have the accredit of a therapist, but they have some form of accreditation. Like they, they've done some schooling, but it's still client based, right? It's client centered. You're never using yourself as the mirror. Like I drink six protein shakes a day and, and I hang out in waterfalls. It's literally helping people identify, but, but that's what most life coaches you see on the internet. I go to their things and I watch their videos and I'm like, there's nothing that's rooted in any real science here. This is all pseudo pop psychological nonsense right. that you could buy at the, the these are people store. who should not be listened to no they uh, a lot of them should there's actually one guy on youtube now who's actually blowing up like gangbusters and i mean blowing up because he's just going in on uh internet thoughts and stuff like that and that's you know it is what it is but he's blowing up but this guy should not be listened to in the weightier things in life some of the things he says are correct other things you just gotta Dude, ignore. Them. Some of the shit that Alex Jones says is correct. It doesn't Hold mean that he second. should have a platform. Or Everything a Alex Jones says is correct. Right. I apologize. The, the, the great <laughs> prophet Alex Jones. But, but what I'm saying is, like, you could you could have everything you say be suited in lies, but three yeah. things out of the thousand you're gonna say are probably correct. Right. No, one hundred percent. But it doesn't mean these people should be listened to. You no. Listen, if you want to, if you want to make sure your your life coach is actually someone that you can trust. Oh, first question when you interview them, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. You're supposed to interview a therapist, life coach, psychologist. You, you these people are going to be deeply immersed in your life for the next six months or so. The first thing you should ask them is, what is the treatment plan and how is this centered around helping me right 
And the second thing you should ask them is, hey, where'd you go to school? And can I get a little background on you? And can I verify some things with your former clients? It's all HIPAA compliant. Obviously, they can't reveal but, a bunch of okay, information. So, but the thing that you're talking about is like a, is like a therapist, is like is like a clinically trained person, right? Someone same same who thing with a who, someone who labels themselves as a life coach is probably not that, dude. Like you're trying to find a legitimate reason for for Diego Sanchez to have attached himself or people to have attached. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm telling. I'm telling you. Labeling these people as legit. Where if I label myself as a life coach. You should not listen to the shit that I spew. I play Hold video on. games for Hold fucking on. 12 hours a day. Hold on for a second. You are correct. If you labeled yourself a life coach, right? right. There are people who have gone through advanced training. I, I did a job for a woman once, or I was going to do a job for a woman once, and uh, she asked me what my 10-year goal was. And I was like, you know, I want to become a licensed therapist at some point, and I want to maybe go into a second scope of life coaching. And, she, and this is how I knew she was legit. She's like, hey, by the way, you're not going to be able to do that because the licensing required in New York State will only allow you to be one or the other. You can get your credit and still become a life coach if you get your bachelor's, but you can't say you're a life coach and a therapist for these reasons, right? right? Because now, one is clinically trained and one is full of shit. No, you can't. There are therapists who are life coaches. Dude, but they, I just don't think if you, if you label yourself as a life coach, you're so full of yourself that you think you're better at life than someone else. That you're trying to teach them how to do it. Like it is, it is yeah, not I, a I legitimate get, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I just, I don't want to disparage an entire group of people. What I'm saying is I'm where I agree with you. an entire group of people. Where I agree with you 100% is if your life coach ever says anything like this to you, hey, let me hang you upside down so I can use you as a speed bag to beat trauma out of you, then you've probably should not continue any sessions with them <laughs> the next thing is i want to talk about cowboy cerrone here right a man who should probably become a life coach himself listen cowboy was so pumped up for that fight with diego sanchez and you know why he was pumped up for that fight with diego sanchez because he knew he was going to smoke him right he's got the height advantage he's got the strength advantage he's got the he's got the he's advantage on the fighter <laughs> he's a better fighter but as soon as they took Diego out, we all got reminded of something. And I want to show Cowboy the utmost respect, man. Let's, I want to talk about his game for a second. Underrated wrestler. I want you to know that Cowboy has some of the most effective takedowns and trips in MMA in the height of his career. Un, uh, underrated striker. Now, I know what you're thinking, Steve. He squares up a lot when he throws punches. I'm not talking about his punches. I'm talking about his kicks. He, Cowboy he has some uh, of the most insane combos that oh, the UFC yes. has ever seen. Listen, there's a lot of respect that Cowboy Cerrone should have, right? And yes, I yeah. do believe Cowboy Cerrone should be able to go down to 155 and get one last fight. But he Give has to go. know that it is his last fight. Yeah. You cannot let a 30 six or eight year old cowboy to continue to get beat up in the ufc and in his last few fights have been nothing short of him getting beat up right yeah, not just not just beat up right let's call it what it was serious potential brain trauma right he's been finished in his last three or last two and it has not they they've not been easy finishes right i mean the l sure the shoulder strike busted up the orbital and encounter finished him with strikes on the ground this one was way worse to look at but like, and prior to that the wear and tear throughout his career i want you to know cowboy cerrone was one of the guys the first guys i've ever seen finish with a body kick that's not to say that prior to that it had never happened but that's the type of damage he's taken throughout his career 
I'm saying this as a Cowboy fan. It's time, right? Like, if you're going to retire Matt Hughes, if you're going to retire Chuck Liddell, if you're going to have those conversations with those guys, you need to have the same conversation with Cowboy Cerrone, ethically, in my opinion. What are your thoughts, man? You, yeah, yeah, you clearly have to have that fight with Cowboy, right? There comes a, a point in, in a career, in a fighter's career, right? Because the last thing to go on a fighter clearly is, is, is your mental fortitude. Because you have to be like insanely mentally strong to get in there and and fight someone that you're not angry at, right? right. There's a level there that most people do not have. Right. You have to go in there and say to a guy as, as strong and mentally strong and still as physically strong as Cowboy and go, listen, man, there, you are better off doing something else with your life at this point than continuing to fight for money. It is not working out. There's not a title in it. There's not a contendership in it. There's not a yep. gatekeepership in it anymore. Nope. You yep. are on your way out. And we need to preserve what is left of Cowboy so you can go into coaching, so you can become an analyst of some sort, although no one wants it. You could do other things with your life before your brain has become mush. And we're heading down that direction with the beatings he is taking in his last four or five fights. Yeah, and, and you know what the shame about this whole thing is, man? The Chuck Liddell, Matt Hughes jobs, those have gone away. Forrest Griffith, I actually got to keep his job because he actually showed up for work, took it serious. He has a mentorship role for in, a, in the UFC where he meets with younger fighters, and I believe he goes through, like, health and medical and all that type of stuff and potential, like, savings plans, like, everything you would want in someone. Bernard Hopkins tried to start something similar I think it was Bernard Hopkins. Yeah, Bernard Hopkins tried to start something similar for boxers and Golden uh, and Golden Boys, or and he was working that job. At this point, I think Cowboy, hopefully his financial situation is in a good place, right? I'm I can't sure see him. Is. I'm sure I it can't is. See Cowboy living outside of his means, right? He likes to go ski doing, maybe you know, hunting and stuff like that. Stuff's not that expensive. He's not blowing millions of dollars on ski doing, right? So he's. He's yeah, dude, listen, owning shit like that is not cheap, let's be fair. But like, yeah, th there's, a, there's a career outside of fighting for Cowboy. I don't know what it is, but there's a career outside of fighting for Cowboy. Podcasting, right. pu public speaking, I, I don't know what it is, but like something. Right. right. Fighting is not, shouldn't be Cowboy's main source of income anymore. Listen, if Laura Senko can parlay one fight into a career of being a ringside analyzer or commentator from Invicta all the way to UFC, Cowboy most certainly can uh, you know, something, do something for the PFL. Maybe. Or, or something, or just, or just in general, right? Yeah. Like an analyst of something, right? To, to fight for as long as Cowboy has, you have to have a mind for fighting, right? Yeah. To, to be able to throw a seven-punch combination and finish someone with a body kick, you have to have a oh, mind for fighting, amazing. right? Like, you should yeah. be able to go, like, the same thing Dan Hardy is doing, right? You should yeah. be able to go and break down fights and go, this is why this person's going to win, and there is an audience out there for it because you're a name, right? Speaking of Dan Hardy, interestingly enough, he just spoke out on Twitter. He is still currently actively under contract with the UFC. False. I remember that. He is not under contract with the UFC. He, his fight contract is 100% 100% still active. Would you, like, would, you like to take, would you like to take a look on the Google for that, please? 
Okay, he just spoke about this the other day. Unless some current event just broke, he was literally just saying that he wants a f- he wants to either be released or he wants a, a good fight with a. One day ago, one-time welterweight title contender Dan Hardy confirms release from UFC. Already in one day? (laughs) He was just complaining about not wanting to get uh, put up against... uh, Also, Dan Hardy has some some medical condition that he shouldn't be allowed to fight, right? Uh, Yes, he... No, no, no. So, yes, he does have medical... onset Parkinson's or something. He has that, but he also suffered... Did you ever see the, the knockout? From Car- him and Carlos Condit? No. Oh. So do yourself a favor. Go Google that, right? You Carlos Condit has never been a knockout fighter <laughs> in his career in the UFC. But we're talking about an almost a Rocky-level knockout. Him and Dan Hardy were both throwing hooks at the same time. And Carlos's hook connected Just, mm-hmm. with all the cleanest technique. If you were a striking coach and you saw this connection, <laughs> you'd be like, this is why we drill. Clip it! <laughs> 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 yeah, Dude, poor, like, poor Dan Hardy folded up. But so you brought up Dan Hardy, but it, it makes me think about this, man. Like, there are no more legacy fights for Cowboy in the UFC, right? Diego Sanchez was the last legacy fight that makes any sense. And it was a good narrative there. They used to be teammates in uh, Jackson Wink, mm-hmm. a little bad blood there. And, uh, but that's it, man. The sport has moved past him. And that's not to say that that's something to be ashamed of. Do you carry the sport on your back for so many years? Just think about how many yeah. times. How many yeah. cards did Cowboy step in and save? He yep. has the most wins in the UFC, the most fights in the UFC, probably yep. something close to the most fight time in the UFC, although I think uh, Eddie Alvarez maybe holds that because he's had a lot of five-round fights or something. Um, yeah. yeah, Cowboy deserves what Cowboy deserves. Because he's been a, he's been such a company guy for so long, and he deserves to be able to get one more fight. I agree. The Diego Sanchez fight should have been that, but they threw out Alex Morano, who was a killer, in to fight Cowboy at the end of that. Cowboy should go down to one fifty five, fight someone. But this needs to absolutely be Cowboy's last fight. We need to preserve Cowboy and move him on to something else. It's just, it's too much. And too little too late for Cowboy, where his career should have ended five fights ago. No, I, I agree, man. And, we, you know, I don't want anyone to think, any of our fans, to think that we're just pooing on him. But sometimes you just got to say the correct thing. Not sometimes. You should say the truth. You should speak the truth all the time. And if the truth is the most obvious thing, which it tends to be, that's what it needs to be. Same thing goes for Tony Ferguson, right? So let's just take a second and talk about Ferguson and talk about the damage that he's received over his career. Now, I know that fighters are some of the most stubborn people, and we're talking about a person's livelihood, but more than that, we're talking about what gives a lot of these guys meaning. And I don't mean the same way that codependent people derive meaning from their... No, fighters' sense of self-worth is found in fighting. Yep. It's... You know, this was something we could have brought up with Light Burley. There is a strange sound to an athlete that comes over when you tell them that's it. And I'm and this is not even just professional. Think about the guys from your high school who played baseball or soccer or football, right? And they're going into college. Now they're going into their academic career. At least two of those guys secretly wanted to go pro. And when they realized that they didn't have the talent level or they were injured in the last year of high school, something dies inside of you, right? Yeah. Same thing for skateboarders. I've seen dudes who who is shred 
absolute murderers. And then, you know, your knees stop. You know this as well as I do. Your knees stop working the way they should. Your ankles <laughs> don't hold up anymore for tricks you used to do. And it's the same thing for fighters. So we're looking at a guy like Tony Ferguson, who was called El Kakui, the freaking boogeyman of the division, right? The man was slated to give Khabib his hardest fight. We were all Everyone frothy. thought it. Everyone yeah. thought it until he was exposed, right? Right. Until he took one too hard of a fight in uh, Justin Gaethje. Uh, yeah, man, there is a time in fighters' careers... And it's earlier than most fighters would be willing to admit that it's over. Diego Sanchez, 10 fights ago. Anderson Silva, when his leg broke, right? George St. Pierre is the only person. Khabib is another good person that I can think of that that saw. It's like, hey, listen, this career doesn't last forever. I don't want to be 45 years old getting hit in the face and not having something to come back with, right? Yeah. Glover Teixeira is an anomaly where he's 40-something years old and probably looks as good as he ever has, right? Yeah, now, looks better. <laughs> it may not look it to you or to the average person, but Glover's plan of getting hit in the face until it goes to the ground works for Glover. It doesn't work for yeah. everybody, right? right. It, it, it doesn't work for everybody, and it, it won't work for Glover forever either, but for now it is working. It's gonna be, it's gonna work up until this last fight, and I think he calls it too. And that will be, by the way, once Glover calls it, that will be the end of the uh, the light heavyweight dance that we all know and love from the UFC. So that would be the end of. Uh, there's no more Gustafson. Rumble is stealing people's identities well, in Gust Bellator. Is, well, no, uh, oh yeah, okay, good. That was that was really really good. It was so good, I didn't even realize it. Uh, Gus wants to come back at heavyweight, apparently. Yeah, and I know make a legitimate run. But that's the end of the. I'm talking about in regards to light heavyweight. Yeah. That's the end of the, the song and dance. It's a very storied. We we got to be MMA fans at a very storied time for the light heavyweight division. The the top five in the light heavyweight where have Glover was on, have all moved on, and no grow down is the greatest to ever. Do it. But you're right. That's going to stop working for Glover. Anderson Silva probably should have retired before the fight with Chris Weidman. And people were trying to talk him into retiring then. I think someone should be talking Tony Ferguson into retiring because Darush, and this is the thing that pisses me off about casual fans, but I'm not going to be a gatekeeper. I don't know where this thing is coming from on the internet that this guy is not as deadly, but the man is a killer. Yeah, he may, there's he's a, a reason very, why this fight is being made. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. He, he's a very nice guy, very well-spoken well guy, and he comes off, and he's a bit of a nerd. But the man, he's a murderer, dude. Yeah, but now Darius is not someone to to look past and in the yeah. slightest, right? If you think this is an easy fight for Tony Ferguson, everyone is mistaken, right? Yeah, you yeah. are going to be very much set up to for failure in this, right? I, I don't think Tony Ferguson gets it done here. No, I don't think so either. And I think this is a this should be the last fight, right? Tony still has a. He's got. I think he's going to have a long career in regards to jits play, maybe doing jits tournaments and stuff like that. And who knows if they ever yeah. open up jujitsu to the uh, to the Olympics, Tony's going to be one hell of a coach there. And this is not yeah. to say that he 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 was an amazing fighter. Let's just you know, let's be candidly. He got screwed. Injuries screwed him in the height of his career, and he took fights that he probably shouldn't have taken when he could have just as easily sat back. And this is why I'm anti. 
well, you should stay active yeah. and not sit out. No, no, I, dude. I, I see both sides of it, right? Colby yeah, Covington should be staying active, but Colby right. Covington should be waiting for the next title shot, right? Right. There, you, you could say the both things for both people. Colby yeah. Covington absolutely deserves to be the next title contender, but yeah. Colby Covington also hasn't been active enough after the loss to the current current title holder that it makes sense, right? Yeah. You see both sides of it. And yeah, but when you go on a seven fight winning streak, like if Zach, if you're in the UFC, no, you go more on than seven. I'm sorry. It was like seven was year. Seven like year 12. winning streak. When you go when you win twelve straight fights in a row, if you if you say I'm sitting out because I am the number one ranked fighter, yeah, I don't hear cowardice, right? It's like, no, man, I've fought for you guys two to three times within a year but it didn't happen an injury you know injuries and stuff like that um tony ferguson should most certainly with his head hell high if he loses this one if he gets battered he should hang it up and listen i'll say i'll say this about michael chandler too man michael chandler is one of my favorite fighters bar none he is one i respect him as a man i respect him as a father and i respect him as a fighter i respect the fact that he was like the brand champion over there at bellator yeah. and he gave up everything to come to a very dangerous division in my opinion the most dangerous division in all of organized sports in the ufc there's there's arguments we made there but i won't i won't disagree listen i i, I know we could say we could talk about one uh one championship and stuff like that and we could talk about pfl and it's it, it, no, yet, no, no, it no, remains- no. the ufc holds the best divisions in the in the sport right yeah i okay light heavyweight there's an argument to be made there. Bellator's made. light heavyweight division is very much has a, has a lot of legitimate legitimate legitimacy behind good. it. Looks but very good. Every other weight division, the best fighters in the world, maybe minus Mighty Mouse, are in the UFC. That's just what I'm saying, though, right? So if Michael Chandler loses, right? Maybe take another fight, but he can walk out with his head held high, yeah. man. He, you know, what I'm saying he he can walk. Same thing with Eddie Alvarez when these guys came over. I said the same exact thing. 155 is an mf'er in the UFC. I know that outside of this organization, people don't believe that, but they all say the same thing once they get there, and it's like, oh man, it really is. Yeah, it's it's the top of the. But if he loses, if he gets beaten to death by Charles Oliveira. Michael Chandler is going to be just fine, and if he decides yeah. to retire, that's a great conversation to have with him. But he's still a young guy. Tony Ferguson should be done after this. There is no argument to be made for him to go up or down, and I already see people clamoring for that. Send him up to welterweight. Why? Why would hold, you do that? Hold. Hold what? There is not much difference in age between Tony Ferguson and Michael Chandler. Not much difference. And if you look at their careers, so you got 26, 22, 26 and 5, 22 and 5. Only four more miles on the body, right? But when we talk about absolute wars, at least 16 of these fights on Tony Ferguson's career, in Tony Ferguson's career, were absolute brutal wars. And at least four of those, he won. And you guys think me and Zach are joking. You think Zach and I are joking about this. He literally won the fight after getting beat to death 
Yeah. In the first round, yeah. and the other guy tired yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, but you got to remember, Chandler's been in wars too. Oh, absolutely. Mel, I think it's Mel Brooks. Brooks. Brooks is the name of the guy that beat Chandler, Will, took his Will belt. Will Brooks. Will Brooks, and then got smoked by Charles Oliveira. Anyway, go yeah, ahead. a few fights in the UFC. The Alva, yeah. the Eddie Alvarez fights uh, with Michael, with Michael Chandler. You you should go Legendary. watch. Right. Legendary. The Brooks obviously. The multiple pitbull. Pit There's a number of yeah. those fights. There's two or three between the brothers, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, man. There's a lot of fights on both of those guys. There's a lot of miles, a yeah. lot more than the than the the fight like uh, record would ever have you have you know. But yeah, man. Michael Chandler might be a guy he retires on top. I think if he, he wins the belt. He has three more fights in the UFC. He yeah. he defends it a few times. Yeah. But the belt is legitimately. It's going to bounce around for a little bit. Waiting for Poirier to come and take it. Waiting yeah. for Justin Gaethje to come and take it. Right. So you, who, let me ask you a question. Do you think if Oliveira wins, this Oliveira, not Oliveira that lost to Cub Swanson or Max Holloway or Frankie Edgar, not that kid, this Charles Oliveira, you think Dustin comes in and steamrolls him? Yeah, think so. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, no it's, hesitation on that one. Yeah, <laughs> but so you, you got to look at the people who who Bus and Poirier has beat recently, and it, it is very hard to argue that Dustin Poirier is not at the absolute peak of Dustin Poirier's career. Right? Yeah. There's a few fights recently that Dustin. No one was beating Justin Gaethje. Until the until Poirier, right? So you there's a lot of arguments to be made that poor that uh that Gaethje's a brawler, Gaethje's this, Gaethje's that. But he's changed. He's changed. Gaethje has changed a lot in his last, even in his last three fights. Yeah. There's a lot to there's a lot to 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 look at and go. Yeah, man, Gaethje is the top of this division for a reason, right? Yep. I, I, yeah. There, there's a few people at the top of that division. Poirier and Gaethje specifically that I think are the number one and number two contender for a very specific reason. And it's because they're the number one and number two contender and champion and number one contender in any in any which way you want to put it, not named Khabib in that division at the moment. I mean, so the funny thing about it is the Charles Oliveira, if Khabib versus Oliveira would have manifested would have been an interesting fight. I still have Khabib winning that fight because he's going to, like I said, the same thing with Ferguson. Everyone kept bringing up this rubber guard. I'm like, dude, Khabib's going to throw him to the side, and that's going to be into the rubber guard, and he's going to pound him to death in side control. And <laughs> like, and it's, that's just what's going to happen. So it's an interesting Poirier versus Oliver. I see Poirier giving Oliver the most trouble and the stand-up, and it's not for the reasons you're thinking. Because Oliveira's, uh, he's very traditional Muay Thai stance, and he looks good when he's doing it. He's gotten a lot better. But Poirier's boxing, the volume, striking, and combos, I think would just eventually break Oliveira. And then Oliveira's going to be the one to shoot, only to realize that Poirier's going to do the next smart thing. He's going to sprawl. Yeah. He's going he's to sprawl. Like I said, <laughs> they're the number one and two and champion and one in that division, not named Khabib. And they're there for a reason. They're the last two guys to fight him. They're the last two guys to se se secure the legacy of Khabib. 
There yeah. is no other questions as to the top two people in that division, and there's a yeah. reason why three and four are fighting. Hey, you know Khabib's training your boy Rockhold, or he was seen training your boy Rockhold. He's not like his head coach, but no, what but an interesting they, they've world. They've been training with... partners. They've been training Luke, partners, but Luke never... Rockhold fights out of that, right? Like, yeah, no. well, he he left AKA for a little bit, but there's something different from when someone's sparring with you as a training partner, and then someone you're saying that someone's training you, true. right? They've there's, there's a different position. Now, as a fanboy of fighting, the mere thought of Luke Rockhold fighting again makes me gag a little bit. Not because I hate his good looks and not because I hate his self-confidence. None of that stuff. I'm not jealous of Luke Rockhold. So what? You know? So what? He's got a lot of money. He looks good. I'm not mad about that. He was a literal champion. He was a literal champion in two different organizations. <laughs> yeah. Middleweight champion both. <laughs> uh... But just to think that like Khabib has really started to sit into this new position as coach, man, it warms the heart. <laughs> like, just there is a lot Cormier. to be gained from Khabib yes! being your coach. There is an Absolutely. incredible amount of of fight knowledge and yep. grappling knowledge. Like, yeah, there there is a, there will be an argument to be made one day that the best fighter to be made a coach afterwards. Khabib is probably going to be at the top of that list. And be the best fighter duo to have ever been coaches in Khabib DC. Yeah. Probably, there's probably not much of an argument to be made past that. There's only one other person, one other person, but he was only a coach in a season of the Ultimate Fighter, but he's a he's been a coach for wrestling for years. Chell Sonnen. You ever want to see yeah. what an effective coach looks like? Go look at the way Chell Sonnen worked with Uriah Hall. Where Uriah Hall argued, you know, there's no argument about it, had his most success under the tutelage of Chell Sonnen. Sure. And it was more so, it wasn't about technique, because what can Chell offer him there? It was about helping him correct his mindset. <laughs> there's a lot of things a coach has to offer you, right? Your yeah. coach probably isn't a better fighter than you. But yeah. your coach can sit back and analyze and look at Wait, things, fight. the fights, play baseball, play football. There's a yep. lot of things to be brought together in an athlete that isn't just execution, right? Yep. It isn't just technique, right? You need yep. all of that in a fighter to be a champion, but you need someone to sit to do the little the dirty work, right? The yep. the film, the the bringing the right guys in as training partners and a coach, he does all of that. Yeah. Speaking of which, man, before we get too far off, now that we've completely dismissed and uh, retired these people, and I hope you guys take our advice. <laughs> Let's talk about some new blood. Here. Hold on. We are <laughs> not an advice show. We're two idiots that have an interesting perspective in things, in, in training, in, in sports. We are accredited life coaches no, from New Mexico. We, we both received our training after two severe hours in Denny's with some guy who we met at Roy Rogers. Named Fabia. <laughs> so I want to talk about, since we're talking about people in the, in the twilight, right? In the twilight years. I want to talk about people up and coming. Let's talk about Shane Burgos, a man that Michael Chandler came up to during his own embedded and said, this is my favorite fighter on the roster right here. There's Walked a decent right chance that Shane Burgos is your favorite fighter's favorite fighter. Exactly. And there's a good reason, right? There, there's an absolute good reason. I learned that phrasing from uh, Scotty Cranmer, who is a, uh -huh. who's a, who's a BMX rider, right? Mm -hmm. 
who is probably other than like maybe one or two guys is probably the best BMX rider ever. Right. So is Dave is Dave Mira still in that conversation or no? Dave Mira is up there. Hoffman is up there. Scotty Cranmer is probably number three. Right. Scotty Cranmer, if he didn't have the accident and lose the ability to ride a bike, it's probably number one, right? But you know, back flipping competition, front flipping competition, double back flipping competition, flare flipping competition. That's all Scotty Cranmer, right? But I the only the first time I ever heard your favorite's ex favorite X, right, yeah. is I heard from this guy. Right. And there's a lot to be said to be your yeah. your favorite baseball player's favorite baseball player. Yeah. It means a lot, right? Um yeah. there's a decent chance Shane. that Shane Burgos is right now is your favorite fighter's favorite fighter. And yeah. for very good reason. Listen, he's thirteen and two. The two fights, the two losses that he has taken were absolute wars, and uh, he didn't get finished in either one of those fights. Wait, I think maybe Guitar. the first one he did. Yeah, Calvin the Guitar, first one he I think did. might have finished him. And then the second fight, you know, anybody else would have gotten finished. He's going up against one of the Jeter. most game guys in the UFC. If you don't know who Edson Barboza is, then you don't understand what highlight <laughs> reels are. You are this living man, a rock. <laughs> when they came up with the term human highlight reel, Edson Barboza was born on that day and his mother <laughs> blessed him and smacked him on his ass. Because there are people he's caught with a spinning roundhouse kick. Three that I can count. Sorry, I didn't mean he's a bad word, buddy. <laughs> he did spinning back kicks, uh, roundhouses, and completely demolished him. Also, what's changed in Edson Barboza's game is he went from being a two-punch fighter, you hear me saying this a lot on this channel, to being a combo fighter. And now, with power in both hands, Edson Barboza can hurt you with a one-two and then a three to the body and finish you off with a four. He's been training. He trained out of uh, the same camp as Frankie Edgar for for a couple of years, and now he's gone back to his hometown camp, I believe, and uh, he's been rejuvenated by that. This is going to be a tough fight for Shane Burgos, and he said something that was very very telling. And I'm glad he sell it. He said it's going to be a war, and I know it is. Now, a lot of people say these things before a fight, and it's mm -hmm. usually to promote the fight. When a guy like Shane Burgos says it, you know it's true. Because this mm -hmm. man is a war master. He's coming for war. Yeah. And when he tells you that it's going to be a blood fest, that's what it's going to be. Now, the question is going to be, can Edson Barboza hold on one more time? Because Shane is a pressure fighter, and that's yeah. where Edson... Those nine losses in his career, each one of those guys did the same exact thing, including the greatest to ever do it, Michael Johnson. They all walked up to Edson Barboza. <laughs> Man. And <laughs> but to join a list of people to beat Edson Barboza, Barboza. in Michael Johnson, right? Listen, you, you gotta you gotta yeah. respect a guy who has yeah. beat probably <laughs> every other person you would put in your top five in this division. You join a list of people to have beaten Edson Barboza yeah. with Johnson, with Khabib, right? Yeah. There's a reason, right? Barboza's yep. kicks are sharp. Barboza's yes. kicks are potentially the best in the UFC at any given fight card. Yes, yes. And to go in there and have to fight a guy and to deserve to fight a guy in Edson Barboza, yeah, man. This is the this is this a this very good. Go ahead. 
This could be the main event. I'm sorry. As you build no, it up. Very, like, very easily could be the main event. <laughs> but this also could be the breakout fight for Shane yeah. Burgos, right? Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, man. You, yeah, that, was a, that was a good reel. Here's the thing that upsets me about this fight, though, man. Um, you hate to see it, but it has to happen. Two fighters that everyone loves, right? You want to, you want them to miss each other. You kind of want to see this have yeah. something like high stakes, right? You want to see a belt when these type of fighters come together. I'm going Shane Burgos for a decision after a, a long, hard for a long, hot, hard fought fight. But the reason I'm going there is because I believe Shane's going to walk Edson down. And it's not going to be done easily. He's going to walk into a few back kicks. And why we're talking about Edson Barboza's kicks, there's Aldo and, and Edson. And either one of these men kick you in the leg. It is a horrible experience. Yeah, the, the, you're going to have a bad time, right? It's yeah. A horrible experience. There's a lot to be said around this yes. fight. Yes. This could be very easily what propels the year yeah they're, they're, right right this could be this could be fight of the year right there's a there's a lot to be said there this could be the fight that propels shane burgos into fighting yep. the top five guys coming up next yep. this is a this is a very very good preparation fight this yep. could be a career revival for edson barboza Right, it teeters both ways. Uh, there's and there's a lot, a lot of good reason for it to teeter both ways. And you're gonna have to tune in tomorrow night to find yeah, out why. Can you believe Shane fights at featherweight, man? When that guy literally looks like a welterweight, he's a big guy. Like, he's he's a big guy. <laughs> he is a big. Guy. He is the probably the biggest featherweight right now. It's hard. Yes. To, it's hard to say, but yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, Fighting out of Tiger Showman. Um, yeah, he's a local guy. Yeah, right. He's yeah. Local to local to you and I. Yeah, we're good friends with a guy who's good friends with this guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot to be said, and there's a lot to be said with what Shane Burgos is going to be doing after this fight, right? At this point, Burgos is probably going to have to get a real camp, right? Yeah. Not saying Tiger Showman's isn't a legitimate camp. Nothing but to be scoffed at. At some point, your your camp that that brings you up, John John Jones is a very good example in having to have had moved on and yep. brought into Jackson Wink. At some yep. point, you're going to have to be brought into a camp that breeds champions instead of a camp that breeds contenders, and Ooh. we're going to have to see a move soon, in yep. either in just camp or, or coaching staff. Yeah, for for Burgos to if he wants to move on in, in his career, right? You know, there are businesses that aren't made to make money, and that are made to sell, and there are fighters who aren't made to to win belts. And there's a there's a choice you're going to have to make in your career. And I don't think Burgos is, is the guy who's made to be a contender. I think Burgos is is a guy who's going to be made to be a, to be a belt holder yep. at some point in his yep. career. And you can see that in the way that he carries himself. You can see that yep. in the way that he fights. Now yeah. on the other side, Burgos gets hit a little bit too much. You know, yeah. his striking is good, but have we seen his ground game tested in the UFC? Right. There's a lot of things that you're going to need to see be brought together before the belt run. 
But this fight is going to be the start of it. So interesting thing about the uh, Shane Burgos and the uh, the accumulation of hits. Yes, his head movement does not. It is not lack of skill. He is a bite down on the mouth guard and get into the exchange type of guy. When we're not in that era anymore. Yeah. <laughs> a so, previous era, Shane Burgos is a champion, right? And oh, yeah, 100%, there's a lot to be said with that. But yeah, every fighter comes up with a, with a way, and you're going to have to pivot and keep yeah. a little bit of that and grow. So here's the thing he's got going for him in this fight for sure. He did not struggle to make weight the way Edson Barboza did. As we got to remember, Edson's coming down from 155, and he's starting a new career for himself at 145. I do believe this is going to be a breakout moment for Shane. Uh, I don't want to discount anything Edson Barboza is coming to bring, but I would not be surprised if Edson Barboza mixes in the takedown. So to your point about what we be seeing Shane's, uh, you know, what do we know about his ground game? Don't be surprised if Edson shoots a double leg on this Man. because Shane is a durable fighter. And the one way to deal with a durable fighter is to gas a durable fighter. You sure. know, you want to beat him up a little bit and you want to take him to places where that durability becomes a bit of a hindrance. I'm just thinking that, like you, this is going to be a moment where Shane breaks out, man, and uh, I think we're going to see a different look for him. And uh, it's obvious there's a bit of bias here. He is a local hometown guy, but that's not why I'm supporting him. And also, to the point about Tiger Showman, man, I think he might stick it out with them for one reason and one reason only, or people might want him to. Tiger Showman has lost three, no, two title potentials right the first notable one being uriah hall mm -hmm. and then i'm hoping that i'm hoping for them that they get you know he gets them to the dance because they're one of those camps that's just always right outside of the dance right sure. they're always but right <laughs> there's a lot to be a lot to be said in yeah. in history with them but there's yeah. there's also a reason that you know cage warriors is is a good stepping stone to getting into the UFC, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a good reason that if you become a Cage Warriors champion, if you become for the, for the females, yeah. if you become an Invicta champion, yeah. there, there's a fast track into the UFC for you. Every big organization and big camp needs a little bit of feeder, right? Yeah, and the, yeah. you know, you you can't be a little guy in one of these big camps. But you also are going to outgrow your little camp eventually. And that's fine. Yeah. But you also can't hold on to your fighters as one of these little camps. And you know you're one of these little camps because you, you see all the title guys moving away. And that's fine. He could do a lot of his training there. But when it comes down to crunch time, you're eventually going to have to be into a camp in a AKA in a Jackson Wink. Um, Top team. Yeah, going out to the Midwest and, and fighting out of... Uh, yeah. How, yeah. Uh, um, Rufus. Rufus Sport, right? You're going to have yeah. to go out there. The um, Going in, into Jersey, right? Yeah. You go there. yeah, we're thanking these guys, yeah. Up yeah, to yeah. TriStar. Yeah. There's not really much more than that, right? There's really not much more... And these guys are the top of the top in camps for a reason. Unless you're willing to do the one thing that most people seem to be scared. Not most people seem to be scared to. Scratch that from the record. Do the thing that is most uncomfortable, right? 
go spend some time outside of your camp because that leaves you vulnerable, right? So people go to Jack. This was obviously the point of contention with Cowboy and uh, Jackson Wink. You got fighters that would come there that had no intention of defending their belts through that camp, right? Mm -hmm. Most famously, Diego Sanchez was uh, his original split with Jackson Wink was over George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre came there with Faraz Sahabi and, uh, and he trained out of Jackson Wink. And, you know, a lot of people, well, Diego for sure, took issue with that. And it's like, hey, man, you're bringing this guy in. And he's seeing the inner workings. And their response to that was, we're here to breed champions, right? And that yeah. streak goes both ways. Mm -hmm. So he sees us, but we also see him. Right, like we're, yeah, we see everything he's got sure. to offer. So we'll we'll see how that pans out, man. And um, I just want to say this one last thing about the featherweight division, right, man? Um, so we got obviously our champion and uh, Ortega going to be uh doing Ultimate Fighter. A lot of people feeling a little salty about that because you know Ultimate Fighter tends to slow down the division. Maybe you're forced to take a fight mm -hmm. that you weren't going to take before. But I think this is good for a guy like Shane as well, man, because uh. If he beats Edson, people are going to want to fast track him into a fight with a guy like Max Holloway. Now, I'm not saying he can't beat Max Holloway, but I would like to see some time. Depending on how this fight goes tomorrow night, I would want to see a little bit of time just for his body sake before he stepped into a fight with Max Holloway because that's... There's also a fight to get back in the Calvin Qatar fight. Yes. And Calvin Qatar yeah. had just fought a Max Holloway and yeah. couldn't quite get there. But... Qatar also at one point in his career had beat Shane Burgos, right? Yeah. So to move up into the Max Holloway spot, right? Because at this point, it looks like either Max Holloway is going to have to fight the next title or Max Holloway is going to be the guy who sits right outside that title fight and fights all the up and comers. Um, and we're not going to really see where, where Max is going to be there for another few fights. Yeah. But you're going to have to either get the Qatar fight back or they're yeah. going to have to kind of go, eh, we don't need to see it again, and skirt you around them. And, yeah, yeah there's a few fights well, at the top of that division that are going to be a real tough time, for sure. Well, here's the thing. Uh, we're lucky we're not in old school boxing era. Uh, Shane, you've sparked quite the conversation here. Uh, because Max Holloway, in regards to gatekeepers, if I'm your manager, right, I'm like, no. Right? My guy's too new and he doesn't have the wear and tear on his body and i don't want to put him through it because if i'm watching anyone if i'm watching the Qatar fight against max holloway i'm like this is the worst type of gatekeeper you could have in this situation yeah this is you, you understand you got a pissed off guy who puts out beatings on people and i'm not just talking about like like a few rounds like he stole a round here or there no like there's a good chance bell to bell <laughs> <laughs> that that Max Holloway is a guy that's going to be dominant. Yeah. We're, we're going to have to see the Ortega fight again, yeah. potentially. We're going to have to see the, the Volkanovski fight again, potentially. And yeah. outside of those three, right, because it, it's the same to be said in a lot, in a lot of divisions, th there's a triangle at the top of this division that any given day probably could beat each other, right? Yeah. And then four, five, six, seven are just interchangeable. Even yeah, yeah, yeah. four, five, six, seven is interchangeable with probably eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, you know? And oh, yeah. uh oh, God fucking camera. Um <laughs> 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 and even then, 
like there's a there's a lot to be said with what's going to be happening moving forward with this division. At some point, there's going to have to be a, a clear champion, and I'm not sure we have a clear champion in, in this division at the moment. It's you know a, a lot of people say the the clear champion is going to be um the clear champion is going to be Max Holloway eventually, and Max Holloway was a clear champion before, but yeah. there's a chance that the, the, the division might just be moving on, and yeah. I don't know if anyone's really willing to admit that because Max is such a good beloved yeah <laughs> beloved and Max is such a good champion because yeah. when he fights people who don't have the answer to Max Holloway he annihilates people yeah and you know we'll see we'll see going forward you know last thing I'll say about that uh the triangle there at featherweight uh Ortega Going into this fight with Volkanovski, I actually have Shane Burgos beating Ortega in a fight based off of what I've seen with the Max situation. Yeah, the the amount of striking and the volume. Now Ortega definitely looked a lot better in his last fight, but again, we haven't seen him deal with the volume. He led the dance in that one, right? Yeah. So I I actually have uh, Volkanovski beating Ortega, even if it goes to the ground, and I, which I don't think it's going to go there. Because Volkanovski is going to lead the dance, yeah. right? He's going he's to lead the dance with the striking. But look, Shane, man, we wish you the best. Edson Barboza, we love you here at this show, man. You like this is both a, fighters. There's honestly, a lot to be said. This is probably the longest single fight segment yeah. there's yeah. ever been. And there's yeah. a chance it's the longest <laughs> single fight segment there's probably nope. ever going to be on this yeah. show because yeah. there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. And you this have is, to have a lot of yeah. context in what's going on in the division. And yeah, this uh, is, it's going to set up a lot of stuff, man. It is. It's just for I'm sorry, sure. Man. This is going to be a final piece in a puzzle yeah. that opens up another piece's puzzles. That's a different thing, right? Um, okay. I'm Shane Burgos it, wins. Uh, Shane Burgos wins. Uh, I'm just going to say it, man. Uh, this fight is probably more compelling. Now that we've gone through it. <laughs> this one is more compelling than... Caitlin Chukagian <laughs> versus I don't know how to say the rest of your name. Uh, Viviana Arajo. There you Arajo. go. You, you're the one who takes the takes the crack at it this week. This <laughs> that this fight is more compelling than the fucking dude Matthew. Matthew who are you? Who are you, Rogerio uh, Bontarin? I can recall a fight of yours, right? Yeah. So I can understand that. Um, Man, Tony Ferguson's just like he's on the edge of either teetering back towards being in contention or teetering on the edge of man being out of the top 10 and uh not even fighting for a title in which 2 3 4 years ago Tony Ferguson was the clear number 1 title contender. Um Yeah. And like yeah, I think it's even yeah. more compelling than 3 versus 4 fighting for the lightweight belt so just for the record i'm picking uh darush for the win over ferguson listen uh i'm picking caitlin caitlin for the win even though all all the stuff's happening with her twitter and some stuff what's going on with her twitter um (laughs) we're not sure if her twitter's hacked or if she just really likes liking porn stuff 
on Twitter leading into a fight. Don't look it up. No. Don't look it up. Her last few likes on Twitter is some hardcore stuff. And, uh, yeah, I, I would assume they is, that is going to be hacked and, and not. But, yeah, I'm picking Caitlin Chukagian. I don't care who wins the fight after that. Matthew, who are you? We don't know. Hold on, hold on for a second. Oh, just hold on for one second. I just want to get on the record before we before we clip the show. Oliveira versus Chandler. Who are you picking? And by the way, Oliveira has more fights than Tony Ferguson and Michael Chandler. I just realized that. Yeah. He's won he's one more fights. Both of these guys, dude. Yeah. Um he's almost won more fights than Tony Ferguson has fights in total. Um yeah. He's won more fights than Darius has had fights in total. <laughs> he has yeah. won more fights than his opponent, Michael Chandler, has fights in total. Yeah. Um, dude, I, I'm going to have to be a UFC guy here, and and I'm going to have to pick Charles Oliveira to win this fight. And not only because I think he's going to be able to, to get Chandler to the ground and beat Chandler on the ground, I also, <laughs> selfishly, want... The ending to the Charles Oliveira story story to happen and yeah. the beginning of the new Charles Oliveira story. And that's it, man. That's all I got. <laughs> I actually think if he wins, um, I'm going to say the unpopular thing. There is a chance, not fact, not written in stone. This is not a word from God. But there's a chance that Oliveira, if he wins, he could go on the next run as the light as uh, the lightweight champion. Because when I'm thinking about the competition and what they might have to offer, if he gets past Michael Chandler, there's a very good chance that he's going to get past. Or if he gets past Poirier, and if he gets past Gaethje, well, that's it right there, right? Like, there's yeah. a good chance. So it, it, <laughs> the issue with the 155 pound division in the UFC is that outside of Chandler, Oliveira, Gaethje, Poirier, there isn't a name that I could think of that is going to come up or that is in the top 10 that's really going to be a compelling fight for any of them coming forward. Yeah. They're yeah. like 55 used to be Murderer's Row. And I I just think 55 in, in the UFC is probably one of the least compelling divisions at the moment. Um, well, I, mean, I mean, you've had so much high rank. You so, you've had, and it's it's almost ironic the way this happens. You've had such a high level of competition for so long, and this in guys beating each other, yep. getting nixed, getting in and out, and it's almost funny how this happens. And then all of a sudden you look up, and it's not that the division is shallow, but you look up and the key players have all beat each other now, right? And yeah. then one guy holds the belt forever, I can't even remember. So it's funny how the belt jumped around. So 155, who had it before Dos Anjos? I can't even remember who had the 155 belt before Dos Anjos. He mm -hmm. took it off of someone. Oh, he took it off of Pettis. Pettis had the 155 belt, and Pettis took it from um, friggin' what's this guy's name? Benson Henderson. Benson, Benson Henderson. Right. And Benson Henderson took it from Frankie Edgar in a very controversial decision win. Did he? And yeah. Or did he take it from BJ Penn? No, uh, 
uh, Frankie Edgar took it from BJ Penn in a very controversial got decision. Got it, got it. Okay, so yeah, okay, I'm seeing this now. And like, and so, and to, and to your point, which I agree with, it's gotten to a place where you've had this high level, and people have been spoiled for years with 155, and not to mention the fights leading up to championship bouts. Right? We get to see Cowboy Cerrone get finished by Anthony Pettis in his debut. Blah 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 blah, and stuff like that. And now we're at this place where it's at the precipice, and when there's new competition coming in, which I wish Shane Burgos would be counted amongst that. I hope that he goes up someday. Uh, if Oliveira wins this fight, you're right. It would be a good cap to his comeback story coming to this division. If Michael Chandler wins this fight, it's a great legacy. Obviously, a great feather in his hat and, uh, you know, end the conversation for one of the greatest MMA fighters, but not the greatest light hev- uh, lightweight of all time. Right. That obviously goes down with Khabib. I think it sticks, rightfully so, it stays with Khabib. Just on the and and just yeah. for and just for a while, right? You're yeah. gonna have the guy who's gonna have to come in, come up through the ranks, and just be beating people beyond a reasonable doubt. And except for that one guy that won the fight. Yeah, we're not gonna talk about that guy. Um, <laughs> but like in the fifty five in the fifty five division in lightweight, yeah. Yeah. Conor McGregor's ranked at six. Conor McGregor yeah. hasn't won a fight. In that division, what since he won, that, since the he won the belt, you know. Yeah. Here's the crazy thing about that man. Uh, what a good way to win the belt, but man, what a unceremonious way to lose it, right? I, you know, you basically just get stripped twice. after what two years, like yeah, yeah. So the issue with the Conor McGregor story, and I'm not gonna spend long on this, is that wins 45 wins 55 and then fucks off for four years and then people are going to want to argue that connor's going to be one of the greatest of all time and having never defended a belt having never really secured like a legacy in either division um having gone up to 70 and loses to diaz and beats diaz and beats a old cowboy goes off to a different sport and comes back and loses to Khabib and loses to Poirier and the crazy thing about us the, the conversation that should be have it should be had accurately around Connor is about his meteoric rise and what he was able to accomplish first you, you got to look at his record right what the things the accomplishments but do you say goat no no <laughs> his no. his rise to 45 belt great was amazing dude right. that is like some- is great but in in terms of rising to a belt john jones did it better oh listen to me let's just let's hear me out for one second we listen i know we're not gonna speak, but we're just talking about pure cinematics and drama so connor's starching aldo was amazing right mm-hmm. i remember being in buffalo wild wings in california and I just lost my mind when that happened. I could not believe after that buildup, rescheduling the fight, that it just ended yeah. like that. And it wasn't a lucky punch. He didn't throw some crazy haymaker. He caught him coming in. Yep. But when he beat, uh, what is this little dude's name? Before, when he became the, who did he beat? Edgar? Oh, no, Alvarez? Edgar. No, uh, Chad Mendez. Chad Dude, Mendes? when he so that just that event, right? It was it was a scale because it was yeah. supposed to be Aldo versus uh versus Connor, obviously, and Aldo had to pull out. 
They had Sinead O'Connor, and then Chad Mendez has got Stain playing their live music for the first time at the UFC. Uh, and it was just, it was a huge event. And then it's like they start, and, and it was a good exchange, man. Zach, some of the best striking exchanges back when Connor was someone who I was like, man, maybe this movement training, there's something to it. Like, it looked amazing. And Chad Mendez is catching him with the hooks, and they're going back and forth. Second round, Chad Mendez, uh, in the first round, Chad Mendez gets him down, follows it up in, the, in uh, the second round. He starts to tire, goes for a guillotine, which alpha males, you can't write this stuff better for soap operas. The <laughs> team is known for guillotines. Yeah. He goes for it, and Connor slips out, gets up, and hits him with a street fighter combo. And But that's it. Right? It was beautiful to see. It was beautiful to see what he did to Eddie Alvarez. But you're right. When we're talking about actual legacies, Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre, Tyron Woodley, if you're being gracious, Kamara Usman, Max Holloway, Volkanovski after the Ortega fight. I think his legacy really starts with Ortega. Yeah. And then we'll see where it goes from there. We're talking about guys that took on who are taking on people in the who's who. Adesanya. Adesanya. I'm not a big Adesanya fan, and we're going to throw Adesanya up there. After Glovich. After Glover, Jan, Jan, Jan Blokovich, Khabib. Yeah. yeah. And we're just going to keep going on and on and on and on and yeah. on and on and on yeah. about champions who defended a belt. <laughs> if you're a Demi- champion and you defended a belt, call this number and we're going to put you on this list. <laughs> Listen, and then we can't talk about, we can't not have this conversation without considering the person who might actually be the greatest fighter of all time, the greatest combat sports fighter of all time, Triple C, right? Yeah, you, you love to hate him. <laughs> you, you love to hate him, but did you do it? Did you right. place golden? And <laughs> then we didn't even get into. Amanda Nunes, <laughs> exactly. Who's probably if I if I were to if I were to rank top five best MMA athletes of all time, Amanda Nunes is in that list. Um, yeah, she, she's she's one hundred percent in that list. And you know what? As much as we you know, it's easy to poo on her. You got to consider Ronda Rousey for what she did for the sport and defending the belt. Now, no, obviously, I don't we, have to consider obviously... Ronda Rousey doing shit. Ronda Rousey <laughs> defended a belt a few times against women. Who, who were lower class? Yes, yeah. I who know, weren't I serious contenders? Um, I'm done with Connor at this point. Um, yeah, no, we'll, we'll forget Connor. I'm just gonna pick my. I'm I'm picking Chandler for the fight, and it's a pure nostalgia reason, but also because I think the Chandler's striking and body shots. He's a very intelligent guy. And yeah. he's been fighting taller guys for a long time, and if Oliveira doesn't think that his body's gonna get worked in this fight, then we'll he didn't. We didn't get. He didn't train properly. And I'm picking Miss, uh, Mr. Matthew Christopher Schneel for the win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm going the opposite. Uh, I don't know who Matthew Christopher Schneel is. Uh, again, who the fuck are you? Um, I think we're both picking Darius against Tony Ferguson. Um, yes. And I'm picking Oliveira against Chandler. Yeah, I'm going for it. And Jose, I don't know who you think is salty, but you're salty. And that was Call of Duty 40 minutes ago. And <laughs> I know <laughs> he's probably not even here anymore. Uh, Zach, my good friend, you want to tell the people where they can find us to argue these points if they disagree with anything that we've had to say tonight? Yeah, um, so all your social media platforms, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Join the Discord link down below, ladies and gentlemen. It's been talking with a dad, episode ninety nine. Tune in next week, episode one hundred. We're just gonna go over the history of talking with a dad and. Uh, I'm glad this one went long because next week I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Uh...
Yeah, so that's all I got. Good night. Oh.